their faith, their competency. We're in a raging battle for the hearts and minds, the very faith of our children and grandchildren that begins at their cradle and will never end this side of our grave. So last week we uh, started uh, looking at how do grandparents influence. And um, the first uh, strategy I suggested to you is grandparents are special. They, uh, they give time. They give lots of time. And I pr- impressed upon you the importance of individual relationship time. Uh, Now, you may have a tendency as a grandparent to always do things with all of your grandchildren or those within one family. You do something with all of them together, and that is good that you do that. And sometimes you may even have the sense that, hey, I can't do something with one without the other ones. I've got to take them all to the movie, or I've got to take them all out to eat. And I hope you hear me saying just the opposite, that one of the strategies of a good parent is spending individual relationship time knowing and investing in each one of your children, and that's also true of grandparents, that you need to have an individual relationship with each of your grandchildren. Yes, you will do those things collectively together, and uh, But you need your one-on-one time with your grandchildren. And we said also that grandparents, uh, <clears throat> if you're involved in the life of your grandchildren, you will be aware. And so you have a special role as guardians, as watchdogs in the lives of your grandchildren. You watch, you observe, you see when they have a change in attitude. When they have changes in behaviors, you wave the flag. I notice little Johnny's being more disrespectful lately. I notice he's spending more and more time alone lately. You're a guardian. You are a watchdog for them. I'm still a little nervous about my PowerPoint, so I hope we're in the right place. All right. Yes, I feel a little better at the moment. Okay, number two, how do grandparents influence I'm going to suggest emotional bonding. Grandparents have a special love. Now, it may seem a little obvious to you for me to suggest that one of the primary influences you have is through your emotional bonding. That seems kind of obvious. But the reason I would suggest it to you, as well as to parents, is to say that if we don't get this right, then not much else we do really matters. Let me say it again. Watch this. If we don't get this right, the emotional bonding, then not much else we really do that we do really matters when it comes to being parents and grandparents. You know, we all have a longing for belonging. We all have, we all want to believe that we are worth knowing. And so what do children do when they don't feel like they belong? What do children do when they don't believe they're worth knowing? Well, you know what they do. They act out. They misbehave, right? And so what I tell parents, you've heard, rules minus relationship promotes rebellion. You try to enforce your rules without establishing 
a bond and you will likely see rebellion. But rules plus a relationship promotes obedience. Uh, <clears throat> I like dogs. So if you came walking down my street and you're out by the curb and you're walking by with your dog, I would be the sort of person that would be inclined to speak to your dog. I might say something like, uh, Fido, sit. And in which case, you would probably look at me like I was crazy. I might say, hey, Fido, roll over. At this point, Fido is looking at me like I'm crazy, right? And you know good and well that I'm not going to influence Fido because I don't have a relationship. I haven't done this with Fido. I haven't bonded with Fido. We get it, right? Well, guess what? The same thing is true with our children and our grandchildren. So grandparents play a special role. You have a special love that you give to grandchildren. Let me see if I can give you some ideas of maybe how to do that. Emotional bonding, a verbal affirmations of love. What I'm talking about here is the power of the spoken word. If you look at the Old Testament blessing, where a father spoke a blessing into the life of a child, it was a spoken message. It was something that was conveyed verbally. You are of great value. It cast a, a special future for this child. And I suggest to you that we too need the power of a spoken word. We need to be able to say it. Last semester I, I had my students do a family of origin exercise where they reflect back on their family of origin. And one of the students writes in there, he says, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard my father say, I love you. He says, maybe, maybe he said, you know I love you. And then he goes on to say, for this reason, I think I'm not very close to people. Well, there's probably more to it than that. But I would suggest to you, he's referring to the power of the spoken word, ver verbal affirmations of love. And that's one of the neat things about being a grandparent. Matter of fact, as we're talking about verbal affirmations of love, I will remind you of what I shared before. Uh, Amy's early writings to, to us as parents, we're going to do it again. I'm going to run away. I already have lots of blankets and lots of clothes. I know, N-O-W, that you know why I'm going. But just in case, I'll tell you. The reason I'm going is nobody loves me. Maybe you can catch me. Love, Amy. Huh? Isn't that precious? But I use it again here to illustrate that you know, it's not only difficult being a parent, it's difficult being a kid these days. It's difficult being a child these days. I got an article this week about how difficult it is to be a teenager these days. It's pretty tough being children. It's also pretty tough being parents. And one of the roles that you as grandparents play is to be this constant message 
of love in the life of your grandchildren. Matter of fact, as I think about being difficult uh, to be a teen uh, these days, I'm thinking of things like there's a lot of peer pressure out there, isn't there? There's a lot of performance pressure in terms of expectations. There's pressure to be popular and such. There's pressure to be petite and such. There's a lot of pressure out there in the lives of our children and grandchildren. And some of our grandchildren will suffer with perhaps uh, poor self-esteem or how they see themselves. They will feel unloved, some of them. Listen to me. And when they feel unloved, they will have a tendency to look for love, what? In all of the wrong places. And that's where you as grandparents come in. You see, it may seem simple, but it's pretty important. One of the primary roles of grandparents, one of your primary duties is to love the grandkids. And one of the things that's kind of neat about being a grandparent is you can give them the big head. I told you last week, if you're a parent, you're not supposed to give your children the big head. But if you're a grandparent, you can give your grandchildren the big head, right? So you can constantly be a message of love in the life of your grandchild. You are a constant message of their being capable. Uh, Maybe a picture is worth a thousand words. Let me share with you what uh, Brindy in the fourth grade wrote. They were looking for men to honor, to hold up, uh, to esteem. And uh, in particular, they asked them, the children, to write about their fathers. We want to recognize fathers and their influence. So Brindy, fourth grader, writes, The father I want to nominate is my grandfather. If I had to pick a grandfather out of all the grandfathers in the whole world, I couldn't have picked a better one. Sometimes, as a joke, I'll put my stinky socks in his briefcase so at work the next day he will think of me. He's, watch this, he's always at the concerts and plays that I'm in even though he lives about an hour away. Do you hear grandparents are special? They give their time. Now watch this. My grandpa makes me feel that I can do anything if I put my mind to it. He makes me feel special and loved. Sometimes I cry in bed thinking about the day he will die and it makes me feel sad and lonely. Finally, I want to end with one wish that all kids could have that special, fun grandpa time like I do with my grandpa. Oh, isn't that, you're talking about you. My grandpa makes me feel that I can watch this do anything I put my mind to. My grandpa is an abiding message that I am capable, that I have something to contribute, that I can do. Because see, if children don't believe they can do, guess what? They won't. My grandpa makes me feel special and loved. Oh, do you hear belonging? Do you feel, I feel worth knowing. My grandpa is an abiding message that I'm special, that I'm worth knowing, that I am capable. How about uh, we add to that verbal affirmation of love, meaningful touch. 
So here we're talking about the power of meaningful touch. Anytime I think of this, I'm reminded of Carly, who uh, I knew when she was in adolescent drug rehab. I remember in session one day, she stands up and her eyes kind of water over, and you could see her kind of tear up, and we were having this kind of conversation about affection and such, and Carly says, it's been four months since I've had a hug from either my mother or my father with tears in her eyes, and you could just see the hurt and such. So I'm reminded of the power of meaningful touch and what David Mace refers to as affection. He says affection is the single most important ingredient that's blended throughout time and changes in time and circumstance. Well, guess what? We're talking about grandparents and how important it is for you to sometimes stand in the gap. Sometimes your children are not giving the time to your grandchildren. Guess what? You stand in the gap. Perhaps your children do not maybe give the affection they need to towards grandchildren, but whether they do or don't, guess what? You stand in the gap sometimes. You give affection, meaningful touch in the lives of your grandchildren. I can remember a time raising my daughter where it that kind of awkward time where she's becoming a young lady, young woman, and I wasn't real, you know, I was trying now to respect boundaries of physical touch and such, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's kind of an awkward time. Okay, how do I show affection to her? Well, guess what? When you're an old guy like me, you can hug them, you can kiss them, get away with it, right? You can show the affection they need. How about a third one? We'll say more about this one later, but bonding experiences. You, keep, you create the kind of experiences that do this with their hearts. As I think about the people I'm closest to, like if we're talking emotional bonding experiences like the people we're closest to, I'm closest to. How did I get close to them? I'm going to keep it simple for the moment, and we'll say a little more about it later. But, you know, I, I thought about the people I was closest to, and they all had certain things in common. They were the people that I laughed with, worked with, or hurt with. Everybody I'm close to are the people I laugh with, work with, hurt with. Uh, put it another way, the people I laugh with, sweat with, and cry with. Is that not true for you? Yes, bonding experiences. You watch two football players who wouldn't want to be caught in church holding hands across the aisle, and yet they'll get out there and knock each other around for two or three hours and sweat and stink and then go walking off the field while they do. Put their arms around each other walking off the field. There's something about working together, sweating together that kind of bonds us together. Are you with me? Uh, emotional bonding experiences. I remember uh, my good friend and brother Sam Long telling me I, when 
Each of their grandchildren turned 13. They would take that grandchild on a trip to Washington, D.C., do the Smithsonian's and all. What, what were they doing in that? Individual relationship time, they were doing this. Emotional bonding. Well, how else do parents influence? I love this picture. I really do. Would you just see the gleam in all of those children, grandchildren's eyes? I'm like, I wonder what he's talking about. If you look at each one of them, it's just anticipation. They're kind of glued to him. They're paying attention to what he has to say. And I'm going to suggest to you how do grandparents influence. Grandparents are special. They are positive role models in the lives of their grandchildren. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Evil companions corrupt good morals. Oh, evil companions corrupt good morals. Your children need, grandchildren need positive role models in their lives. Let me see if I can illustrate to you how important and maybe how challenging this can be. There are... There are all kinds of negative role models that are being held out to your grandchildren these days that are being held up before them. Could I use an old example to illustrate that? Since most of us are older, you'll probably remember. Okay, do how many of you remember a guy by the name of Dennis Rodman? You remember Dennis Rodman way back, played basketball? I know it's an old example, but most of us are old, so... Well, I can use it, all right? Dennis Rodman played basketball, and if you remember, he was kind of a bizarre sort of guy. Matter of fact, there's a picture of him. I'll come back to that in just a moment. He's kind of a bizarre guy. Uh, You remember him for basketball. You might not remember that he was also an author. He wrote a book. Have you read his book? Probably don't want to. I've got it here. I picked it up at a garage sale. And uh, it's called Bad As I Want to Be. What a philosophy of life. Bad as I want to be. And the I is in gold letters. Bad as I want to be. As I choose to be. And he's sitting on a Harley Davidson motorcycle, which conveys, metaphorically, kind of the rebel, you know, in him. He's, uh, he's actually nude with some strategically placed basketballs. I'm thankful, thankful for that. And, but it's conveying a message, right, that I'm bad as I want to be. And then I had some students, I think I offered them an A if they would find me these. I had heard about them. And sure enough, a student walked in and had uh, Dennis Rodman, McDonald's, drink cup. Your family-friendly McDonald's restaurant is taking Dennis Rodman and giving it to your child, saying, take this home and put it on your shelf. You've heard of, I want to be like Mike. Well, maybe some of them will want to be like Dennis, right? But I couldn't help but think of the paradox between those two, that I wanted to hold in one hand the book, Bad As I Want to Be, and then in the other hand, our family-friendly restaurant, 
giving McDonald Dennis Rodman drink cups to our children to take home and put in their room. And I, I just think it illustrates how challenging it is today as parents and grandparents, all kinds of negative role models being held up before our children and grandchildren. Matter of fact, if I were to go back to the slide here, I was, I was having my car repaired. I was in a uh, uh, transmission shop having my car serviced and I'm sitting there and I looked down at the table for reading material and here was special issue the Texas 20 Texas Texas Monthly Magazine but this is a special issue of the Texas 20 Texas Monthly and lo and behold who's on the front cover Dennis Rodman so I snuck it out under my coat and, uh, no, I asked him if I could have this, mag- if I could take it and use it. He said, sure, and so I took it and took the front cover off. But look at what it says here. Dennis Rodman tops our list of the most impressive, intriguing, and influ- influential Texans of 1998. How about that? We got a... A state magazine, special issue. And who is it we want to hold up? Who is it we want to recognize? Dennis Rodman tops our list of the most impressive. I don't think so. Most intriguing, perhaps. And influential, I hope not. Texan of 1998. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm literally sitting there thinking, well, what about Barbara Bush or Laura Bush or somebody like that? to hold up and applaud for being impressive, intriguing, and influential. Are you with me? It's a war zone out there for our grandchildren. And so I'm saying you as grandparents, you are special role models in the lives of your grandchildren. Let me see if I can impress that on you. One of my uh, favorite quotes, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eyes are more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing. Example is always clear. Could we do that again? I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eyes are more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing. Example is always clear. Oh, you grandparents are a special example in the lives of your grandchildren. Can I give you an example, a real-life example? Rather than summarize it, I'm going to just read it to you. Maybe you'll understand why. A granddaughter wrote it. So let me share it. It's called Smiley. S-H-M-I-L-Y. Smiley. My grandparents were married for over half a century and played their own special game from the time they had met each other. The goal of their game was to write the word Smiley in a surprise place for the other to find. They took turns leaving Smiley around the house and as soon as one of them discovered it, It was their turn to hide it once more. 
They dragged Smiley with their fingers through the sugar and flour containers to await whoever was, was preparing the next meal. They smeared it in the dew on the windows overlooking the patio where my grandma always fed us warm homemade pudding and with blue food coloring. Smiley was written in the steam left on the mirror after a hot shower where it would reappear bath after bath. At one point, my grandmother even unrolled an entire roll of toilet paper to leave Smiley on the very last sheet. (laughs) There was no end to the places Smiley would pop up. Little notes where Smiley scribbled hurriedly were found on dashboards and car seats or taped to steering wheels. The notes were stuffed inside shoes and left in the ashes of the fireplace. This mysterious word was as much a part of my grandparents' house as their furniture. It took me a long time before I was able to fully appreciate my grandparents' game. Skepticism has kept me from believing in true love, one that is pure and enduring. However, I never doubted my grandparents' relationship. They had love down pat. It was more than their flirtatious little games. It was a way of life. Their relationship was based on a devotion and and passionate affection which not everyone is lucky enough to experience. Grandma and Grandpa held hands every chance they could. They stole kisses as they bumped into each other in their tiny kitchen. Notice, tiny kitchen. They finished each other's sentences and shared the daily crossword puzzle and word jumble. My grandma whispered to me about how cute my grandpa was, how handsome and old he had grown to be. She claimed that she really knew how to pick them. Before every meal, they bowed their heads and gave thanks, marveling at their blessings. A wonderful family, good fortune in each other. But there was a dark cloud in my grandparents' life. My grandmother had cancer. The disease had first appeared ten years earlier. As always, Grandpa was with her every step of the way. He comforted her and their yellow room, painted that way so that she could always be surrounded by sunshine, even when she was too sick to go outside. Now the cancer was attacking again. With the help of a cane and my grandfather's steady hand, they went to church every Sunday morning. But my grandmother grew steadily weaker until finally... She could not leave the house anymore. For a while, Grandpa would go to church alone. Then one day, what we all dreaded finally happened. Grandma was gone. Smiley. It was scrawled in yellow on the pink ribbons of my grandmother's funeral bouquet. As the crowd thinned and the last mourners turned to leave, my aunts, uncles, cousins, and other family members came forward and gathered around Grandma one last time. Grandpa stepped up to my grandmother's casket, and taking a shaky breath, he began to sing to her, Through his tears and grief, the song came, a deep and throaty lullaby, shaking with my own sorrow. I will never forget that moment. For I knew that 
Although I couldn't begin to fathom the depth of their love, I had been privileged to witness its unmatched beauty. Smiling. See how much I love you. See how much I love you. Listen to this granddaughter. For I knew that, although I couldn't begin to fathom the depth of their love, I had been privileged to witness its unmatched beauty. Oh, as grandparents, your special examples, your special role models in the lives of your grandchildren. You're an example of an enduring marriage. You're an example of being a straight arrow in a crooked world. You teach your grandchildren that honesty is not the best policy. You teach them honesty is the only policy. You're an example of an abiding faith, a worn Bible. You're an example of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. Listen to me, here's how you're an example. You show them how to polish it. You know how jewelry or stone is, over time, it's perfected. and You show them how to polish the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. What am I trying to say to you? It's not so much that what we say, though I would suggest, yeah, it is, But in what we are and do lies the power of training. It is not our wishes or our theory, but our will and our practice that we really train. It is by living the Christ life that we prove that we love it, that we have it, and thus will influence the young mind to love it and to have it too. Oh, grandparents are special. You're special role models in the lives of your grandchildren. Let's see if we can do a few more, maybe at least one, maybe two, rather quickly. How do grandparents influence? Grandparents, I'm carried away here. Grandparents are recreational companions to their grandchildren. Grandparents are special because you know how to have fun. How about that? God's for fun. God's just for fun in the right way. As a matter of fact, when I'm talking about parenting, I like to say that parenting is teaching your children to find pleasure in the right things. We all have, you know, the pleasure principle. You will either find pleasure in healthy ways or unhealthy ways. God's for fun. There's a spiritual, listen to me, there's a spiritual dimension to having fun in the right way in a way that's within the scope of righteousness and godliness. I think Ecclesiastes teaches that. Yes, God's for fun, and for fun in the right way. And guess what? You teach that to your grandchildren. we, We live by the pleasure principle. You know you do. It's like you knew you should only have one bowl of butter pecan ice cream, but you went back. Well, why'd you go back? Pleasure principle. Well, you live by the pleasure principle. 
But you're, and so we shouldn't be so surprised when our children and grandchildren live by the pleasure principle. The key is learning to find pleasure in the right things. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. You see the young guy in the middle there? On the, on the left-hand side of that is his father, who took him fishing a lot. On the right-hand side of that is a younger, yours truly, who went fishing with them occasionally. The young guy in the middle is now a junior in college. I could pick up this phone right now and call him and simply say to him, fishing is, and leave it blank. Fishing is, and he would respond, having fun in the right way. It's a principle of living. Where did he get it? Well, his uncle started teaching it to him many years ago when we'd go fishing. I'd like, Devin, fishing is having fun in the right way. And he's lived it. He's held on to it. He's embraced it to this day. Um, So let me back up. Hey, do I have time for it? Probably not. Did anybody have fun with a grandchild this week? I know my lovely wife did. She was out of town for a week and a half. Guess what? Having fun with grandchildren, teaching them to find pleasure in the right things. You did that. I wish I had more time. Maybe next week so we can get some of those stories, all right? But let me see if I can sprint and find a good stopping point for us, okay? You are recreational companions as uh, grandparents. You are also, watch this, work companions for your grandchildren. Did you hear me? Work companions for your grandchildren. Uh, I would suggest to you uh, that uh, work is perhaps the number one missing link, missing link in parenting today is work. If, as I look back on my life, I would suggest to you if I had it to do over again, I would work less and play more. My children would play less and work more. You with me? Can you tell me the psychological benefits of work? Just give me a few. You ought to be able to do it like this. Psychological benefits of work. Okay, I'm needed. I'm necessary. Feeling of accomplishment. I'm competent. I'm capable. Self-worth. I, I, I'm needed. I, I have something to contribute. Oh, we know it. There are some real psychological benefits to work. Perhaps that's why Scripture says if a man doesn't work, neither should he what? Eat. And I don't think it's in Scripture, but the principle's there. An idle body is the devil's workshop. You and I know it, right? Oh, there are so many psychological benefits to hard work. So I'm saying to you as grandparents, you need to put your grand... I'm, I'm for child labor. You need to put them to... Don't be writing a check to somebody to mow your lawn if you got a 13-year-old, 14-year-old grandson. Guess what? He needs to work. He needs to understand that life isn't all about consuming. It's about contributing. It's about giving. It's 
I pay my grandson, but I create work for him. Matter of fact, just kind of like this is saying, it's a work zone when you come around my place, right? And guess what? He loves it. Because you know what? We get out there, we work together. We sweat together. Quick story before they go ringing that bell on me. I want to illustrate to you the importance of the last two points. Recreational companion, work companion. You've got to get the picture here. My two oldest brothers are twins. One of them is going to help his son-in-law build a storage building, a workshop or something. The twin, Larry, is just going along for the ride. He's not going to work, build the building. He's just going to be with Jerry, helping drive. And so they, they travel to Jerry's daughter and son-in-law's house, and Jerry's out back building a storage building. Guess what Larry's doing? Larry is with Jerry's grandson, August. And while the other folks are building the storage building, guess what Larry's doing with August? He's shooting hoops. Doesn't he know August really well? It's, you know, it's his brother's grandson. He's like seven years old. And Larry's shooting hoops with him. Guess what? They get through shooting hoops. They go over and repair, repair a sprinkler head. They do some work together. They dig. They sweat. Then they go back and play a little more. Then they work a little more. Then they play a little more. And they work a little more. Watch this. Came time for them to leave and drive back home. August, Jerry's grandson, goes to Larry whom he had just spent the weekend playing with and working with, and he looks at Larry, and he says, Larry, you're my best friend. Did you get that? We laugh together, we play together, and we sweat together, and what does it do? It bonds us together. Amen. Let me pray this. Father, we thank you for a very special role in loving our grandchildren, being an influence in their lives. pray you'd bless us this week as we have conversations with them where maybe we have long-distance time with them, perhaps where we see them face-to-face. Oh, Father, may we convey just how special they are. May we convey just how capable they are. May we share our faith to them along the way. It's through Christ we pray these things. Amen.